Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Industry Matters. I'm your host, Brian Thompson, and here with me today is Amanda Yaborski. She is the Director of HME Corporate Accounts at McKesson Medical Surgical. And Amanda, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, especially right after MedTrade. Um, thank you, Brian, for the invitation to speak, and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about wound care and our wound care reimbursement program. All right. Well, before we launch into wound care, Amanda, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at McKesson so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit and know who they're taking their advice from. All right. Uh, sounds good. So in my previous lives prior to McKesson, I worked for several HME providers um, with a primary focus on wound care reimbursement. So I would say probably I've got at least 15 years, maybe a little more. I don't want to age myself too much in wound care and focusing primarily on that reimbursement piece. Um, now that I'm over on the McKesson distribution side on the HME team, one of the things that I'd like to focus on with my customers is helping them grow their business. So we obviously talk a lot about wound care and several other product categories as well. Okay. Well, if we have listeners who are thinking about getting into the wound care business, I know that people are often somewhat hesitant to do that. There, there are a number of things that make wound care specifically seem like it might be a bit of a challenge to take on. Can you speak to that a little bit? What are the particular things that, that people say they're worried about and what kind of response do you have for them to encourage them to take the plunge into this particular product category? I think really when uh, when folks shy away from this product category, it's really this perceived notion of the complexity just because that wound assessment really does dictate the qualification of addressing for a specific wound. And just the fact that there are thousands upon thousands of SKUs out there for different wound care dressings. Um, we'll talk a little bit more later about how to kind of put everything into buckets so that you're decreasing that complexity. But again, I, I feel like it's all just a perception and not really a reality. I think another thing that has come up in some of my conversations with others a couple of times, Amanda, and maybe you can speak to this as well, is I, I think there's this perception as well that it's hard to turn a profit in wound care. There's a whole lot of SKUs and maybe not the highest dollar items in the world, uh, which I think makes people think like, oh, well, you know, it's it's a whole lot of stuff to stock and maybe not a whole lot of opportunity to make some money. What do you say to that? That's where that formulary development really comes into play and being smart with that. So if you've got your a very solid base formulary for wound care, that's where you can be really profitable. Well, when we were talking about this, you mentioned to me that there are four pillars that a good wound care program is built on. And I, I thought that was kind of amusing because I, uh, not too long ago, did an episode with Wes Hopper, also there at McKesson, your colleague. And Wes had four Ps uh, for a successful program. So it's, it definitely seems like these, these things come in fours for you folks. Yeah, West Hopper likes to copy me on things, so you can just <laughs> let him know that we all are taking note of that. I think you just did, Amanda. <laughs> you'll oh, probably, perfect. You'll probably be hearing from him after he listens. So tell me, before we, we get into these and tackle them one at a time, Amanda, what are the four pillars that we're talking about here today? Okay, so our four pillars are going to be uh, wound care formulary development as your base, then you have your um, provider team education, a streamlined reorder program, which really deals with all the resupply component. And then finally, um, building out that referral base. 
Okay, so let's talk about formulary development then. And I imagine that this entails all of the different elements that you kind of have to have in place in order to be successful with this. What are those elements and how can somebody best set themselves up for success? Under the wound care formulary development, this is probably when you get ready to launch into wound care or you're looking at revamping your wound care program, you're going to spend your most most of your time here because this is what needs to be done first. And I mentioned before that this is really your base. So the first thing that needs to happen is that your team needs to sit down and really review those local coverage determinations, the LCD, and even the policy article for surgical dressings. And I know that's a component of Medicare, but we notice that most payers follow suit with those guidelines. And once you really have an understanding of that, you've got to determine for your team what you're going to consider a reimbursement friendly protocol so that that way everybody's on the same page, such as you've decided that for foam dressings, that you're only going to do foam dressings when you've got um, a full thickness wound with at least moderate to heavy drainage, those types of things. So you're really breaking down the different product categories and the different HixPix codes and determining what your qualification is going to be for those different I think it does. So you're essentially, we talked before about how, how the sheer number of SKUs that are out there, this is, I imagine, kind of the moment where you decide which ones you're going to carry, what you're going to do with them so that you can kind of pare down and make this not seem like it's such an enormous task. Exactly. So this is where you're breaking it down into those product categories. So not even thinking about the number number of SKUs that are out there and which SKUs go into what product category. Before you even take a look at that, you want to get your buckets. So you've got your alginate bucket, you've got your foam bucket, you've got your collagen bucket, you've got your hydrocolloid bucket, and really determining, okay, for this bucket, this is what our qualifications are going to be and our requirement is going to be based on wound assessment, and you're getting all that information from what you're pulling from the LCD and the policy article. So it makes it really easy when you have a, a request or an order come in, you immediately can kind of look at the, the diagnosis that a patient is carrying and say, okay, we, we, know, we know exactly what types of products we're going to offer, and we're going to go from there. We have a protocol in place. Exactly. And then once you've got those blocks built, that's when you're going to start taking a look at the SKUs and the HixPix codes for all the products that are out there that fall within that product category. And this is where you start to build out your formulary. And a lot of folks, I know, you want to be able to provide a selection of products. Um, You don't want to just give everybody one option or two options. You want to be able to really have a lot of options available for each product category, but you have to be smart with it. Um, There's a lot of cases where scripts are written generically, like they might just say a foam dressing or an alginate dressing. So you have to be able to dictate to your team where to go to when you get those types of scripts. And that's where you come up with what I call like your hit list or your default list. So that is where you're going to want to do your formulary and have that formulary be those most reimbursement-friendly products. Now, this, I think, Amanda, gets us into one of the other things that a provider might find a little scary if they're thinking about getting into wound care, and that is if they are going to put together this hit list, if they are going to go through all of this formulary work, it sounds as if that's a lot of information for somebody to learn and retain. And so let's talk about that education pillar. 
I know that getting your people trained is extremely important in all aspects of running an HME business. So what are the particulars of running a wound care program that people need to be aware of? And maybe we can break this down in a way that makes it seem not quite so large and intimidating. Um, well, when you're working on that formulary piece, you've got a lot of resources out there that can assist with the education and helping develop that formulary. You obviously want to work with your GPA. You want to work with VGM and VGM's wound care program. Heather Trum great... really wants to talk to you if you want to start yes. a wound care program. <laughs> and she's fantastic, too. So I highly recommend to everyone to give her a call. As a matter of fact, let's blow up her email after this. There you go. Heather.trum at VGM.com, people. So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of resources. Obviously, through VGM, your distributor, McKesson, we have a clinical resource team, not to mention your account managers and things of that sort that can help you build out that that formulary. And then also even the manufacturer resources. Um, One of the things that I like to tell customers when when we start talking about formularies is let's see who's going to come to the table with us with the best contract pricing because those are going to be the folks that we go to for that default product list or for that default hit list, that formulary list. Um, So that's important as well, too, is to make sure that you've got everybody in the room and everybody engaged from your GPO, your distributor, your manufacturer partners, and that helps to develop that formulary. It sounds like our first two pieces then are, number one, knowing that you don't have to go it alone, and number two, knowing that resources are available. I know that in a number of other uh, podcast episodes, when the education piece comes up, one of the other things, and this probably connects with the first pillar, the formulary development, but having solid processes in place and being consistent about those is also probably helpful, I imagine. Yeah, I think one of the downfalls that some people have run into with the wound care program is that the fact that they haven't been consistent and after you've got your formulary developed and you feel good about that then it's time to turn your attention to training your team and training your team doesn't just happen with your resupply team or your back office billing folks but it also has to be with your sales and your marketing team as well too you want to make sure that everybody in the organization understands your wound care program and they understand for each of those product categories what you guys have determined is going to be your criteria for reimbursement that's the part that's i think that gets missed a lot and that's where some of the inconsistencies happen Maybe uh, in order to help our listeners address some of that, Amanda, would you be willing to kind of take piece by piece the major components, the the billing, the intake, all of the, the different pieces of an HME staff that are going to have to to touch the wound care program and, and maybe speak to a couple of the particular things that can help them be successful from a training standpoint? Um, yeah, absolutely. So we'll start with just the billing component, um, the back end work that needs to be done, just making sure that that team understands the different modifiers that are required. There really are not a lot of modifiers when you look at the wound care component piece, but it's important for them to understand those when they get ready to do that billing. And I know a lot of times people hesitate with doing a new pro- new program altogether because it's just, they're like, oh, it's more for us to learn and this, that, and the other. It's really not once you've got it broken down by the product categories, your team that's doing the billing now If you're billing for one product category, it's not that much to add another one on. Mm. And you also have to remember, with all the reimbursement cuts, you need to have product categories that 
are, can be profitable. And this is definitely one of those. So I think that the learning curve and the, the training that has to go into it is, is far outweighed by the profitability that you're going to see by having a successful program. So that takes us through the billing component of it. From your resupply coordinators, it's just making sure that they understand when a dressing is reimbursable and when a dressing is not. And, and making sure also that they're comfortable having those conversations, whether it be with a patient, a clinician, um, um, a wound care doctor, when a product is not reimbursable, what other options they have that would be reimbursable. Because that's when you really start to have an impact with your referral sources. So there's a lot of training that goes along with that um, from a resupply coordinator standpoint. And then finally, from a sales and marketing standpoint, I mean, these guys are the ones that are out there that are building that referral book of business for you. So you want to make sure that they understand as well, too, so that they can also educate while they're seeking out those referrals. When you talk to referrals, one of the things that they always say the most is they want they want their providers, they want their HME providers to be knowledgeable. And they don't always, from a referral source standpoint, understand when something's reimbursable and something's not. So to be able to have a sales or marketing person from the provider explain those things to them, it gives them a lot of credibility and it helps bring those referrals back to that particular provider. Those are the big components when I think about the different types of education that needs to happen from the provider team. And again, just like with the formulary development, it's not something that they have to do on their own or even create. It's already out there. Um, You've got BGM, you've got McKesson, you've got your manufacturers. There's there's lots of resources to pull from. It's just a matter of of getting it scheduled and and making it important to your team that this is the direction that you want to take. All right. Well, in this uh, discussion, you actually just kind of touched briefly on the other two pillars. So let's go ahead and pivot to those, Amanda. Let's start with that streamlined reorder program, because I imagine that if you are going to make money in this business, making sure that you can get people the things they need quickly and efficiently is probably <laughs> is probably one of the main components of that. So can you tell me a little bit about how a provider can go about streamlining their resupply program and educating their resupply staff members to make sure that this crucial piece of the business goes smoothly for them? Um, absolutely. And you know, streamlining a reorder program, it's not just specific to wound care. So if you're taking a look at setting up a successful wound care program, this section here is going to follow into all your other product categories as well. The biggest thing right now is patient communication. And it really, it always has been. Like, how are you communicating with your patients? And is that communication effective? It's also something that referrals are always looking for. They want to know that their provider is following up with their patients. There's lots of methods of communication. You've got phone, you've got text, email. There's now app-based solutions, which you see more and more folks going towards. And I highly encourage folks, if you haven't had an opportunity to check out app-based solution, that you take the time to do that. Um, do you have one in particular that you recommend, Amanda? Uh, yes, there's a, a one out there. It's called Verbal Care which, um, again, it's an app. The patient downloads the app onto their phone. They can do all of their resupply from there. From a, from a provider perspective, they can push education. They can push documents that need to be signed. They can push um, 
quality surveys, all of those different types of things that they can communicate with to a patient can be pushed through that app. Okay, so far um, more than just reorders. Yeah, absolutely. And the best part about it is, again, it definitely streamlines that reorder process. And it also increases the type and the, the quality of the communication that you have with your with your patient base. So definitely take a look at those types of app-based programs because it will make a huge difference. Um, in the past, it's always been kind of one of those things that we joke about that we're like dialing for dollars um, <laughs> because it is, it's, 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 it's a game. Like you call sometimes 10, 12 times trying to get that patient to pick up just to make sure that they've A, used the product that you've sent to them the last time and that they still need that alginate for that particular wound. So, well, and I, I think that, that that's a really great point to make because I don't know about you or anybody else, but when my phone rings, I kind of find that annoying and don't always answer it. But if I get an app notification, that's something that I'm probably going to check out right away. Exactly. Um, and not your entire population is going to adapt to that, but you'll be surprised how many actually do. Um, and then that way you can focus on those patients that, that don't. Sure. What else can people do to streamline their, their reorder program and, and get it right? And I think this really goes back to the, the pillar we just talked about with the education um, and those resupply coordinate, coordinators and making sure that they really are knowledgeable and that they know how to have the right conversation. So any type of script that um, you can provide to those resupply coordinators, questions to ask, and just making sure that they're knowledgeable and they're ready to have those conversations with folks. Give um, me some examples, Amanda, of the sorts of questions that it is, it's crucial that get asked and get asked in the right way. The most important ones when you're looking at the wound care component is making sure that they've actually been back to their physician. Has anything changed with your wound? Mm -hmm. Is there a new assessment? Do you have a new treatment? Those types of things I think are really important to, to have those discussions. I think that that's probably the most important questions to ask is just making sure that they know if there's been any changes. And it's not just a, do you need your supplies? Um, if they do have a change in treatment and for some reason that treatment is not now eligible based on the criteria, that they're able to communicate to that patient why they can't have that particular product. It's just not a, no, that's not covered. Because that's really, I mean, yeah, no, it's not covered, but why? Give them a little bit more information. Explain to them, unfortunately, this product isn't covered any longer because your wound has changed and now your wound is not draining enough that it would require a foam dressing. Sure. Like those are the types of conversations. And I think patients and physicians and clinicians, they respect that when somebody explains it to them and it's not just a, a no. The no should always follow up with a why. Sure. I mean, that way you're not just ringing a cash register, but you're you're building a relationship. You're, you're understanding where they're at in their treatment and, you, and you're providing expertise. You, you, we can't get you this product because you don't need it anymore. You now need something else. Yes, exactly. And, and being able to, to provide those alternatives that would be reimbursable is always helpful as well, too. Well, let's talk a little bit then about the referral base. Building a referral base is our fourth pillar, and it's also kind of the lifeblood of any HME business. So what, what are the specifics of building a good, solid referral base in a wound care program, Amanda? 
I think the most important part is really knowing and understanding your referral source. So understanding what types of wounds they see, understanding their senses, what is their payer demographics. Um, It's important to know their payer demographics because you need to know as a provider if you're in network or out of network with those particular plans. Um, Are they on an electronic medical record? If so, which one are they using? As a provider, do you have the ability to integrate or tap into that particular EMR program? So when I'm working with providers and their their sales and marketing teams, that's one of the first things that I stress is making sure you understand that referral source. And then it's also is important once you understand that referral source to also understand what they look for with a partner as a provider. And most of your referral sources are going to say the same things. They, they want someone that's knowledgeable. They want someone that's going to help them understand and navigate reimbursement because we have to remember they're not trained on this in school from a <laughs> referral standpoint. The nurses don't sit through a class that goes over wound care reimbursement. Sure. They're, they're trained to treat and assess those wounds. And so it's our responsibility to educate them on the reimbursement piece so that they can then write and make treatment decisions that will be best fit for their patient, not only from a clinical outcome, but from a financial outcome as well. Those are the things that when you're building that referral basis that you really need to kind of make sure that your team, your marketing, your sales team, the different elements of what the needs are from a referral source. Sure. Do you have any recommendations, Amanda, for good referral sources are ways that a sales team can go about finding and developing really solid referral sources for this kind of a program? From a wound care standpoint, I think it's really just kind of checking out your territory and your geography, figuring out where the wound clinics are at, looking at your podiatry offices. Um, If you're a a provider that's in the long-term care space or even looking towards the long-term care space, there's a lot of wounds that are there that can be um, reimbursed. So just really canvassing your geography and determining where those wounds are at is where it's going to be able to lead you in the right direction as to where your referral sources are. There are going to be a lot of people seeking long-term care in the immediate future as more and more people in the baby boomer generation reach the age of retirement. So that is actually a really great tip and I am glad that you mentioned it. Is there anything else, Amanda? Not really. I mean, I think the biggest thing, too, also with your referral basis is just make sure that you're marketing to your value props. So when you go into a referral source, don't just ask, do you have anybody that has a need? Make sure they understand the training that your team has gone through, that they understand what your formulary looks like. If you are using an app-based solution from a resupply perspective, make sure you're talking about that to your referral sources because that's a huge value add for you as a provider. And it sets you apart from some of the other providers that are in the area. So really focusing on your core value props is what's really going to drive it home for that referral and them determining if they're going to want you as that partner. Not just what you're offering, but also who you are and what you're willing to do. Absolutely. Amanda, we are coming up to the end of our time, unfortunately. I'm enjoying our discussion immensely, but is there anything that you would like to leave my listeners with before we close? Something that maybe we haven't covered or or something else that you consider to be important with regard to building a good solid wound care program? Um, Other than making sure we blow up Heather Trum's email. (laughs) We're going to do it. I think really just, just making sure that the providers that are out there that they know that they've got a lot of resources 
that can help them build this program. It's a profitable category. A lot of folks do a little bit. They dabble in it, but there's if you're dabbling in it, why not jump all the way in and see what you can do? You really don't have to worry about bringing all these SKUs in. You can use the distribution network and PhD, patient home delivery. So it's not something that you have to worry about in terms of an upfront investment in the program. As long as you've got that relationship with a distributor, let them be your warehouse and just reach out, like reach out to those folks that can help you get this started and and see what you can do. Amanda, if I have a listener who is enjoying this conversation and you are, have encouraged them to kind of go whole hog into the wound care program, what's a good way to get a hold of you if they have any questions they'd like to ask? Um, you can reach me by email at amanda.yavorsky at mckesson.com or, or by phone. Probably phone's easier because spelling Yavorsky can be kind of tricky. Um, <laughs> 804-852-6361. All right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I've, I've enjoyed our conversation. Hopefully our listeners have too. And uh, we always enjoy hearing from you folks over at McKesson. You've been some of my best guests to date, and I'm always glad to have you. Well, thank you again for this time. And we're looking forward to seeing how many successful wound care programs we can get out there. <laughs> Wonderful. Have a good one, Amanda. You too.